0: And then Joseph comes straight through the middle, got Mike Brown to beat to the last line of a defence, and here goes
1: Joseph, Joseph's going to get over. Mm. Watson goes on the outside, Oh, Watson goes mm. magnificently on the outside. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gable, and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Hello, Tom, mate. Good evening, mate. Yeah, you too. Um, and on this occasion, uh, again, like last week, um, by special guest podcaster, friend of the podcast, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? Yes, very very good, thank you. Yeah, cheers for uh, bringing me back on and uh, thanks for not seeing the link between a Bath loss and my appearance in the pod. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think that's the link. Mate. We've been doing this long enough and we've seen enough losses to... So maybe think that's not the link, but no, back by popular demand, Andrew. Um your fee's gone up this week, so we might have to uh, renegotiate looking forward. But no. <laughs> great to have you back on. And um, hopefully we'll we'll be able to keep our uh our our, our playing squad, our recording squad under the, the podcasting cap, unlike uh, maybe one other uh, establishment in the rugby world. But um I guess we can't really bury the lead, lads. Uh we've got to start uh with uh the, the obvious news. Um probably the biggest news in English club rugby history um, with uh, the news that Saracens will be relegated from the Gallagher Premiership uh, as of this season uh, for the breach in the Sallow cap, which has been widely discussed. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, you, you know a lot about it. And I think we're going to try and come at it from a Bath angle, um, see how this affects Bath this season, how it affects Bath next season, uh, and maybe uh, cherry-pick a couple of the guys we may like to see Um, from that Saracen squad be wearing blue, black and white going forward. Uh, Also on this podcast, we are going to break down um, potentially a little bit more briefly than we usually do uh, Bath's latest defeat to Ulster in the Champions Cup, the 22-15 defeat on Saturday afternoon. Um, There's plenty of other stuff to talk about as well, which we will come on to. So Tom Ellis re-signing, Jamie Roberts moving on, all this stuff off the field. And then we're going to look ahead to England, Leicester Tigers and everything else blue, black and white related. So, so much to come on the podcast, as I say, so stick with it, but we've got to start with the news of Saracen's Tom and um I guess what does this mean for for Bath looking at it from 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 purely a blue black and white perspective? yeah
2: well I think firstly, you know it, it is a sad day for premiership rugby mm. you know we're uh, fans of of bath obviously we um we want the game to be fa- played fairly but ultimately i you know i've got mates who are saracen supporters and um it, it's a really sad day for for those fans and also the saracens players who let's not forget aren't at fault in any of this and i think um you know people should be um considerate of that and then just looking sort of more widely and and i guess from from a bath perspective it does really undermine Premiership rugby and everything that that, that stands for. And obviously, Bath being um, a massive part of that um, throughout their, their club history. Um, it's obviously going to have a sort of negative impact uh, more broadly looking um, at public appeal and also just, just interest in the game. So um, a really sad day, but I think just deserts really. Um, for, for Saracens um, and you know the fallout now is going to be very very interesting from, from from a Bath perspective and I think there's sort of two elements to look at sort of firstly looking back um, and you know what for me really leaves a bitter taste is that Saracens were as, as it's rumours so far ahead um, or so far above of that seven million pound salary cap um, but yet still sort of competing and still playing in, in this year's Premiership and you know for, for Nigel Ray etc to come out and say everything this season is rosy um, we're not going to have to offload players um, uh, and then for it to come out as is rumoured that they're £2 million ahead of that uh, or above that salary cap um, you know it, it's tough to take when you go as a Bath fan to the wreck. Um, they brought all their big guns back for that game from the world cup um, we put a, a strong side out and ultimately we we fall um uh, 26-12 i think it was pointless in in that you know what was a crucial game in the premiership crucial home game and now you know we it all comes out that that team um wasn't sort of in line with the regulations of the league so for me that 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 leaves that you know that does leave um a, a really bitter taste
1: Yeah, Andrew, kind of what was your initial reaction and and, and then when you thought about it from a Bath point of view, what what was your take on on what happened this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I
0: think Tom summarised it really quite well there. I mean, I was bitterly disappointed for a couple of reasons. The first one was actually following the World Cup in Japan. It felt
3: like rugby was starting to become a bigger part Mm. of, of sporting life in England and the focus has been um, you know, onra be more now than ever
0: in the press in such a positive way, mm-hmm. uh, and for what are or what have been the most successful team in England over the last say decade or so to, to kind of uh, do something like this and bring the game into disrepute. Whenever it's been a sport that's kind of been viewed as the gentleman's game and whiter than white, um, is is quite frustrating. Um, but also it's sad for the players, sad for the families involved. You know, I think if you do uh, follow England, I have, have followed England at all. You know, you become quite. Close to some of the guys, seeing how they're performing, um, getting to see do quite well in an England shirt. And you know, while I think the strength of Saracens has helped the England team, it's you know it's completely uh, unforgivable what what Nigel Ray has done. And you know, as Tom said, the that quote at the start of the season. The more um, I read it, the more I think about it, just riles me up even more because you know it's actually affected our season. And from a Bath point of view, it really is frustrating because those points come the end of the season could be. The difference for us um, seeing how our form's been and it's, um, it's quite a tough one to take um, but you know it's, it's good that swift action has been taken and I understand we are playing in the Premier League this season but they've been fine, they had their points deduction uh, and now they've been relegated um, probably even for two seasons unless you know um, the uh, the PRL changed the uh,
2: change the rulings for them, so we'll have to wait on seeing that one, I guess. But yeah, massively frustrating. On on. A we'll see. So, yeah, so that that's an interesting point. And and for those who who haven't seen it, what, what you alluded to there, Andrew, the current kind of um, rules and regulations in the in the championship require any team promoted to to show um, accordance with the Premiership salary cap, both in the year they're promoted and also in the prior year. Um, so. Obviously, under that, um, uh, so under those regulations, if Saracens were to, um, as we'd probably expect, win the championship next season after being relegated because they are not in compliance with the Premiership salary this season, um, they wouldn't be able to to be promoted. Um, I I don't know about you, Andrew. Only saw kind of a screenshot of that that ruling, and I think it's sort of a sixty-page document there, um all sort yeah. of the rules and regulations for that. Um, and gee, I'm conscious you don't want to go down down this rabbit hole at all, but it looks like we're we're poking our head we're, we're, looks like we're poking our, our head uh, down there already, but I think you know um i'm I think it's helpful to read probably that that document in the in the round so uh, yeah well volunteered uh, Andrew and um, look forward to a full update next week uh,
3: I think to do it yeah.
1: I think just the, what I was try, sort of trying to point out is that you know there's so much spoken about, and I think at times it does become a little bit tiresome, and, and I think potentially it would be nice to see it from 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 a purely Bath fans point of view. But it is fascinating, kind of how this has all happened, and I guess the timing of it as well it, it is fascinating because as you boys so rightly pointed out, the the, the game at the Wreck was was potentially their their strongest team they fielded in the Premiership this season, and 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 kind of what do they do? from here on in going forward is, is really what I'm interested in now um, because do they field the strongest team they they, they they possibly can, particularly when when the England guys are back from, from the Six Nations or or do they rest them given they've got, you know, now Champions Cup qualification secured? So I guess it's going to be really interesting and it kind of is going to favour potentially teams that that... That, that haven't that have played Saracens already or haven't played Saracens uh, sorry haven't played Saracens already and are now going to play them potentially twice with a with, with with a weaker weaker squad so I guess with the ruling coming in the middle of the season it, it kind of brings maybe some of the the, the future fixtures in, in jeopardy in that way so that yeah. would be fascinating from from, from that point
2: yeah on. and it's completely uncharted waters as as mm. we've all said and um, so it's difficult to know what Saracens will do um, my take on it is that it's an advantage having not played Saracens so far this mm. season because a I think you know they're not going to go out all guns blazing for every premiership game particularly when um, you know that quarter final uh, that quarter final of the European Cup against Leinster is looming and secondly and as I think we should we should probably come on to boys you know the the main fallout of of this is that there's going to be probably quite significant squad breakup mm-hmm. Um, and you know we've had our, our eye on um, a couple of players, but just to tee this up, I mean, as as far as I see it, really, there's there's four main options for for Saracens players now. They can um, stick with Saracens, uh, potentially look to to play in the championship, still be available for for England selection, but obviously you know, likely take a bit of a pay cut and not be involved in in top flight rugby. Um, they can move to a, a Premiership club, as we know. Um, premiership clubs are generally operating very close to the, the salary cap. So I don't think there's um, kind of uh, potentially the cap space to take on a whole nother team and for that to be absorbed within the premiership or they can go abroad essentially and um, thereby probably, although you know not confirmed by the RFU, forfeit next season the opportunity to be involved with both England um, and also for for those top players, the, the British and Irish Lions. So um, Andrew, I don't know, what, what's your kind of, What's your kind of take? Where do you think kind of most of the squad will go? Do you think Saracens will retain a, a core of the squad? And I guess from a Bath perspective, how could um, how could we uh, benefit?
0: Yeah, I think that this topic has a risk of becoming rugby's Brexit, really, doesn't it? In a way, because it's, there's so many um, you know unanswered questions and things and uh, that could happen. I think um, it's going to be a combination of all three of the options that you have uh, kind of stated there. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of teams in the league, um, in the Premier League anyway, that square quite close to that salary cap. So whether they have the ability to bring these kind of key players over that we'd all want within the salary cap that we have at the moment might be a really, really tough uh, thing for Premiership clubs to do. Um, I also think that, you know, if you look at the level that these guys need to play at to make sure that they are kind of consistently performing at the standard that England and they'd want to be to be part of the team. I think going abroad is going to be the choice for a majority of them, but it very much depends on, um, yeah, you know, as you say, what the RFU decide. But I think there could well be
1: dispensation for those yeah. players just in the interest of of the national team. That, that, that's that's spot on. That that's now the key ruling for me going forward is what the RFU um, decide to do from from here. And 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 in that in that ruling they've got about not being able to select players that play abroad. I, I believe there's a Ex, ex what's the word Tom
2: extenuating extenuating
1: circumstances. circumstances um clause put into that and if this isn't extenuating circumstances then, then I'm kind of struggling to think what is and and I think it would be wise for, for Premiership rugby particularly just for one season to to kind of allow players to go abroad uh, maintain a, a high level of rugby uh, but still be able to pick for England and the lions and that is key the Lions is plays it plays a key role here for me because I guess potentially players wouldn't mind missing out on, on, on a season for for England if, if worse comes to worse, but they're not going to get picked for the Lions if they're not playing for England and and, 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 and I, I think that, that plays a massive part in it. And I think it would be wise for the RFU, particularly if you're looking at it from a Saracens player point of view, it would be wise for them to allow them to go abroad because it just widens their options widens their options hugely. I guess from from a Bath point of view, though, I, I wouldn't mind them not being able to go abroad and and, and therefore staying in the Premiership and 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 now move on to, to kind of the where I wanted this conversation to go and and, and who out of that 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 Bath that Saracen squad um, Bath should be looking at and and, and, and and quite frankly, if we're not on the phone here to to, to, to Saracens to try and get. Either Ben Spencer or Alice Lazowski or both. Yeah. Like, kind of what yeah. are we doing? It's so blatantly obvious to, to surely almost every Bath fan that these are two guys that, that would make such a big impact on, 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 our, on, our, on our playing squad. And halfbacks are, are a major problem at Bath. And these are guys that are ready to be picked up. We can offload some, some salary cap. Um, in in the halfback position offload some elsewhere as well and sign these guys and uh, and it would just be fantastic and I guess it would be a massive oversight if if we weren't on the phone and and trying to do some of these deals Tom
3: yeah
2: and and part of uh, the you know I I guess one implication of the fact that the Saracen squad was so deep in in every position group and and obviously we know the reason for that now is that these guys these top players weren't getting regular game time Mm. you know even Ben Spencer um, he's basically shared that position that that scrum half position with richard wigglesworth um, for his whole career at saracens alex Zoski, as we've said in the past has struggled obviously with owen farrell ahead of him and and max malins coming in as well um, so these are guys who we can turn to and we can say look you're going to be our first choice nine going forwards you're going to be our first choice 10 has historically had a very um a good relationship with england in terms of getting players selected um, I think Eddie Jones and previous management groups have um, have always liked what's been going on at, at Bath, and we tend to see um, good levels of inclusion, so that's that box ticked as well. So um, And obviously, you'd, you'd move to uh, you know, a beautiful city <laughs> of Bath, and, and, and a team who, as we'll come on to, um, I think are going in the right direction structurally. A young playing squad, um, led by Charlie Ewells, who um, I think uh came back from injury and had a, had a brilliant game against Ulster just having him at the forefront of the team um is good and i think other clubs will be hunting around for for these guys and bath haven't always made the um you know the most astute signings in the past um, and i think there are some attractive um, players in that Saracen squad who most teams would would want to come in if they were um, a bit light on that position. But you know, the worst thing we could do, in my view, would be to sign a massive um, wage, uh, you know, on Billy Vunipola or Maro Toje. Um, because we're so deep in those position groups, so mm. we've identified the issue. We know the issue. We're struggling at nine and ten. Let's have a look at Spencer. Let's have a look at Lazowski. You know, Max Malins is the other one that 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 we should look at. Also, I think Alex Good, if he was looking somewhere to go, he's so versatile. Won't be involved with England. Um, we should have a look at him. And and finally, the the other the, the fifth one. I, I, you know, I really like the at in that squad is Nick Tompkins. Um, and I know the rumor is that he will be going back to. Uh, Cardiff to, to Wales, obviously being included in the in the Welsh squad. But um, inside centre is a is a probably the position group in the Premiership um, where I think there are the, the the lowest number of of good good operators. Um, and I think he would be, you know, if, if he was available, he'd be probably the I think the only other player in that squad who um, I'd, be, I'd be I'd be trying to get hold of.
1: Andrew, who would you kind of have your eye on if you were in the the shoes of, of Stuart Hooper and Tarkin McDonald? Uh, I think. Um... You
0: know, looking at Bar squad and where we're weak, I think gee, you hit the nail on the head completely. with Where my thoughts were at kind of prior to the pod. Um, you know, Alex has obviously already spoken about already, um, and, and Ben Spencer I think is a great operator and absolutely the person we should be looking at. You know, you're a danger here of looking at their team and doing almost like a
1: kind of fantasy rugby style um, approach and, and
0: bringing over mm-hmm. a, a lot of the kind of key players in, in the England team and outside of it. But I think those are the two positions where. Uh, if Bath really want to start to challenge for some silverware, that we have to um, that we have to look at. I mean, if you look at the last couple of games, being dominant in the scrum, mm. um, you know, if you look at the backs that we have, they're absolutely kind of world class and some of the best in the league. But it's that kind of half back pairing where you know we really are kind of missing some some quality. Mm. And I think if we could get those two guys in, that's absolutely where I kind of focus my attention. Um, I think there are some other decent players outside. I think your um, think your shout on Nick, Nick Tompkins is great, but um, I think that's pretty much confirmed he's going to Cardiff and, yeah. the Rams and to Everton to believe. So, yeah, um, or it's pretty much close to being done anyway.
2: So, anyone else? Yeah, anyone, else think, uh, yeah. anyone else you'd anyone uh, else would you'd like us to bring in in an ideal um, world?
0: It's hard to say. I, mean, I think Maro Itoje is is one. I know, you kind of said it's uh, not one to look at, but he's just an absolutely amazing player. His his strength, uh, in, in his ball carrying ability, um, his the way that he's kind of a leader on the pitch, his age profile as well. Um, I think he's a, he's an absolute leader and um, yeah he's, he's a guy I'd love to see wearing a bar shirt. But you know we have so much strength and depth in that position anyway. It's a bit like you know yeah. do we need him? But actually I think he would improve our team. Yeah. I do any team in the world he wouldn't go
1: into and improve. Yeah, that's right. He is one of the best locks in the world. But but give me the option of of one Maratoje uh, obviously playing for England for a lot of it, or 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 two of Lazaski and Spencer, which I guess would be reasonably similar hit to the cap, I'd imagine. Um, I'd definitely be taking taking the latter. And yeah, I, I think that, that this is a, a key moment for Saracens, but it's also a key moment for, for other clubs and, and how this is kind of dealt with from a, a recruitment point of view. is going to shape next season and the following sort of three or four seasons absolutely massively because these guys can come in on three or four year contracts and it's literally like you've just got, you know, an incredible, it's, you know, It's it's almost like, and sorry to use an NFL analogy, but it is the Championship weekend and I'm kind of in that mood. It is like you've got this incredible... Uh, draft coming out of college and you've just got these guys to, to kind of pick from that are going to improve your squad and, and never ever does that happen in rugby where there's such a, a huge number of players who are obviously available uh, to, to, to kind of sign and, and, and a lot of them would improve a lot of the squads and, and I think therefore it's such an important moment and a moment which, which Bath's recruitment team which as you say Tom have, have made some hits certainly but also mm. quite a few misses have to, have to get right and the teams that get the this sort of next few months, right, with these Saracens players, are going to benefit from that, and, and they're going to be the ones challenging for titles in, in the next three or four seasons. Yeah, and you know,
2: we, we mentioned the the impact of of Saracens over the last decade, um, and the academy at Saracens has has really led that, and has really um, moulded a lot of their a lot of their results and a lot of these top players that that we're talking about. And just because Saracens are gone, that doesn't mean that those players, the product of that that academy. Aren't going to continue to mould English rugby unless they all unless they all go to go to Lyon or somewhere like that, but. So it's a huge moment for, for for clubs now because we need to have a proper look at the structure of our squad. It's not like it's March or April and we've already committed new two three year deals to to current members of our squad. This is the time when we take stock, when we look at our squad, when we renew contracts, um, and when we make signings. You know, uh, looking forward. So um, it's an absolutely massive moment. And while I was really disappointed and and you know sad to hear about the the news about Saracens uh, yesterday. Um, there was also a a kind of a tinge of excitement in there as well, because these are guys now who are available. Um, The Wolfpack is split up and they are available and ready to come and make a really positive impact at Bath.
1: Yeah, Uh, It's so dangerous
0: though, isn't it? Because what do you do? Do you almost rip up your team for the sake of bringing in some Saracens players for one, maybe two seasons to put them in the salary cap? You know, and and what Love was speaking
3: about earlier, that that ruling by the RFU is so important. You know, Mm. do they have dispensation on the salary cap for that period of time? Do they, um, you know, allow players to go abroad and be part of the England setup?
0: Whatever they decide is, is really important. But how close we are. To the salary cap already it just makes me think about who we can actually bring in and who's likely to be going out from a bath point to the end of the season and who we can afford to bring in and while you know the Farrells have been a penalty to just be great you know I, I think we have to maybe just realign our sights and you know Spencer and Lozowski are the, are the right kind of people um, we could probably keep them longer term or you know um, we could do it without ripping up the
1: rest of the team um, and potentially disrupting our squad. Yeah, I think that the funny thing about what's going to happen here is I can kind of see it going that the, 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 the absolute the absolute blue-chip talent that Saracens have got, which they've got a lot of, are actually going to be the ones that struggle to get a contract because, mm. A, they're going to be way more expensive than, than the kind of not squad players, but but kind of you know, not the the top 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 tier talent. So guys like Lesowski. So to keep going back to that, but guys like that, guys like Ben Earl. These guys are going to be the ones that the clubs want to bring in, and it's going to be the Fowls, the Atoujés, uh, and the the, the who are going to struggle because they've got the highest salary and they're going to be off with England and that's just such an unattractive prospect to clubs. Clubs have cottoned on to the fact that, that that period during the Six Nations in the Premiership is so key to the final standings mm. that, that they know that they need to to have players. The ideal player is someone like Alex Goode who, who who arguably should be involved with England but isn't involved with England and he's playing at a level of players that are involved with England. So it's going to be those guys that are going to be so sought after and I think you're right to point out that that Bath shouldn't go for a big splash name, which we often have in the past. We should be slightly more astute. Um, with this and uh, I, I guess we're kind of interviewing for the roles of, of bass recruitment but um, it would be a fantastic job to have over the next couple of weeks yeah. like so exciting
2: yeah and ultimately we're, we you know we are going to be competing with with other clubs yeah, but the you know it's not an open negotiation because every club will have their their own ceiling of what they can offer based on um, how close they are to the cap based on their you know the, the broader club finances so it's a difficult one but I you know I really hope that um, the business so far this year has been great and I really hope that 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 continues just just finally from me on this i think the um the, the other important thing will be the fallout and how that affects saracens because mm-hmm. obviously there's a few things that hap- could happen right um Nigel ray um could you know cut ties financially and and saracens could really go down a route that meant that ultimately and and very sadly they um you know didn't come back up to compete in the premiership as we spoke about they could um be down in the championship for a minimum of two seasons um, if the, 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 that um, regulation that we spoke about is is upheld um, or they could essentially um, retain the core of their squad, uh, go down into the championship and bounce back up. And my worry, if the, the last thing I said there materialises, is that these players um, ultimately just go out on a, on a one, lo- one year loan period. Um, like Mark Wilson has done um, with with Sale, yeah. and then once Saracens come back up, their full intention um, of the majority of them is to pile back into um, Saracens, and and you know. Um, and uh, and come back there, and I think obviously we need to be looking uh, for the long term, and and yeah. um, I think you're you're more likely to um, to get those long term deals potentially with these guys that we've spoken about who aren't getting consistent game time um, and who see a future at the club rather than these big names who um, will feel an affinity and and I think more of a loyalty to uh, to the Saracens
1: brand. Yeah, I agree with that. Just finally on this 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 discussion, uh, Andrew, do. you... Uh, <laughs> I think the, the the kind of debate about ring fencing has is, is kind of gone away a little bit uh, in the last couple of months because there's been so much drama about Saracens. But I I think we've kind of got a ring fence for for one season. And therefore, do you think it will affect the way that that Bath select their team, their, their 15 and their 23 of the current squad, going forward and uh, and I'm thinking specifically of potentially playing younger guys because there is no threat and uh, Bath may not be the best example to use it because I don't think there was ever a real threat of, of going down London Irish might be a better example but do you think that, 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 that Hooper may now be a little bit more free in his ter- in terms of his selection pick for example a guy like Gabe Hamer-Webb who we will talk more about uh, when we talk about the Ulster game, instead of someone like Alid Brew, for example, to to give him that experience because there is no threat of, of relegation?
0: I, I think actually in, in uh, Gabe webbs case,
1: um, he actually probably more than justifies his place in the starting 15 yeah. now.
0: Um, I think with the way, way Rocco's been playing, he's my favourite player of all time, but he's hesitant <laughs> on the ball now whenever uh, uh, he seems to get it in hand. and, and Gabe just seems to have that... You know, that sharpness of mind and, and an attack which um, I think we'd be missing. Um, in terms of the rest of the squad and, and um, what Hooper does, I don't think he's going to want to rotate that much. You know, it's his first season in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think apart from one or two games where he can. Um, where he can selectively rotate in certain positions. He's pretty much kept as strong a stronger team out on the field as he can for as long as he can. Uh, and I do feel he's going to want to make a bit of a splash. He's mm. coming for a bit of criticism, I think, in his kind of starting couple of weeks. Um, probably quite wrongly so. It takes time for you to kind of affect change behind the scenes. And I think he's going to want to to finish the season as strongly as possible. Um, so he may try and fill a couple of players and bring a few through, but I don't think he's going to be making any wholesale. Changes until you know maybe even um,
1: next season and season after depending on what happens with um, with the league yeah What's i think yeah you you're, you're probably right i mean oh yeah i guess i guess i would kind of like to think that i want to see maybe some of these these younger guys i mean i've got a few like in mind that i was thinking about fox another guy in, instead of chudley or or um uh uh, who else was there on or De Glanville instead of Homer, or, or, or something like that but I think you are right actually you make a really good point about Hooper and the pressure he's potentially under and if he did go with these guys and and say we ended up coming uh even if we came 10th or, or 11th or even 12th and we wouldn't go down in, in 12th it would still be a, a massively disappointing season even though we didn't go around so I, I think you're actually probably right there Andrew um well, I think that's all sort of covered off with, with with the salary cap news and and everything surrounding that, and hopefully we kind of shed a bit of blue, black, and white light onto that issue. But but let's move on, boys. Yeah, and um, it's
2: not done as well, and you know we can monitor this, and you know rest of
1: January and February is going to be going to be really really interesting, as we say. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, certainly looking at it from a, a, a an outside perspective, it, it's fascinating. I, I would dread to be doing a a Saracens uh, podcast this weekend God, it would yeah. be pretty pretty dreary affair but um at least they got a win unlike the boys in blue black and white uh, as i mentioned at the start of the podcast a 22-15 defeat at uh, the kingspan to to ulster um tom i'll come to you first um what was your overall? Before we get into the detail, what was your overall assessment of the performance and and, and I guess the, the the results? Do you think it was fair the the, the end score?
2: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think it was broadly about the the right result. I, had, I kind of had mixed emotions at at the end of the game because, um, you know, it's it's the worst European um, campaign as we've as we've spoken about in the twenty four seasons that we've been involved in in top flight European rugby, having um, not uh, won a game. Um, and last time we did kind of nearly this badly and won one out of six was in the 0-9-10 season um, with Stab from say, Edinburgh and uh, Ulster, in fact. And uh, just to sort of um, cling on to a positive right from the outset, we finished fourth in the Premiership um, on that particular season. So um, there is hope. Obviously, our, our focus was firmly on the Premiership uh, that year as it, as it is this year, I, I hope. But um, yeah, so, so disappointment um to to be winless and um uh, and really suffer to be honest in, in a number of those games um uh, w- was tough to take um however i thought the performance was was pretty good um i think there are a number of positives to take i was surprised actually um, and Andrew, I know you you mentioned to, to me before the podcast that you were the same about the strength of the Bath team that we mm. that we put out. Um, so to see um, guys like Sam Underhill involved in making the trip to, to Northern Ireland was um, was surprising. Charlie Yule's um i thought coming back as well from injury uh, he had a fantastic game um but for me the the main positive and and as it's been for so much of this season uh, was the two boys up front abano and i thought abano in particular um and also will stewart were just uh, fantastic um, they really were they, they really were and uh, you know scrummaging against good guys who've been involved in, in um, Ireland teams um, Jack McGrath being involved in the Lions as well and Will Stewart just absolutely taking him apart um, and you know I've said this so many times but squad announced tomorrow for, for England if he's not involved um, for me there is something going very very wrong with um, with Eddie Jones <laughs> Eddie Jones thinking because uh, those boys were were absolutely fantastic.
1: Uh, Andrew word on the the scrum then I guess from from your point of view another huge positive for, for the blue black and white on Saturday. Yeah absolutely I mean uh, Benno and, and Stuart are you know um,
0: absolutely brilliant together aren't they I mean the strength of the scrum was unbelievable I mean I, I just can't get over how much ben has come on in the last couple of years mm. and every single time I see him he seems to have put on an extra couple of kgs but <laughs> absolutely massive um, and I think Stuart is actually um, you know Guessing a be- or becoming a better player playing next to someone like Obano. And if you pair both of them up in the England team, that's only mean, you know, the best thing for Bath because they'll just continue that form, continue that partnership, uh, which I think is really, really important. But I felt that, you know, uh, as soon as they went off the pitch, we definitely looked shaky. Um, and, you know, subconsciously, I think that kind of affected the Ulster team, who were clearly rattled by the strength of Obano and Stewart. And it felt like, you know, once they went off, they kind of started to get a bit more dominance. And, and the likes of Sam Nixon, who came in, maybe weren't able to, to replicate the powerful kind of nature and, and the performance of those two guys. But that's not to take anything away from Sam Nixon. It's just the fact that Obano and Stewart have just been so good and uh, they've been brilliant again at uh kind of
3: yesterday's game was, was testament to it. They were incredible. Yeah. And I think, sorry, just they're, they're
1: almost like two world-class stars in the making, aren't they? Mm. You know, and seeing them come through
0: and wearing our colours is just a very, very proud, <laughs> proud
1: moment as a Bar fan. Yeah. I'm actually going to have to disagree with you, Andrew. I, I completely agree on the, the point about uh, Stuart and Abano, and, and they are, you know, turning into absolute world-class props and they're so young that props, you know, are going to... Study. <laughs> ...are going to get better in, in, in five or six years. But... But I don't think anything was lost when when Nixon uh, and Naguera came on. And I think that was what was so surprising. I think maybe something was lost in the loose. Uh, in terms of the carrying ability, and, and Nguera gave away a couple of brainless penalties yeah. at the end, which really didn't help uh, us. But but I think in terms of scrummaging, I thought Sam Nixon in particular acquitted himself absolutely fantastically. I think he won a couple of penalties in, in the space of a couple of minutes. Um, and I don't know whether it was him getting the decision, but he was certainly in and amongst it. And I thought it was almost a coming coming of age for, for, for Sam Nixon. And, and for that to be, I guess, the fourth choice, Prop pairing, yeah. you know, with Cat and Thomas injured, you've got Dunn and uh, Benno and Stewart, and then Judgey and, and Boyce at home. That's probably the fourth choice pairing, and and, and they're still dominating uh, an Ulster pack who, who haven't had a great deal of success at the scrum time in European Championship, but they're experienced guys, much more experienced than Sam Nixon in particular. I was massively uh, impressed with him actually. Yeah,
2: and we had that classic uh, Bath blip, sort of five minute blip after half time. Um, It was so important that we started that second half well and uh, to concede two tries um, in very quick succession straight after half-time really all but decided the result. Um, And I think the the, the main reason that we we stemmed that flow and were able to um, calm ourselves down, get a bit of field position was because of the scrum. Um, I I was going to say, boys, um, uh, statistically speaking, we're uh, the eighth most successful team in the um, the Champions Cup at scrum time. So uh, we would uh, be qualifying, (laughs) we'd be scraping into into the quarterfinals. Um uh, if if only uh, the table was was ranked from from that perspective. But gee I, I agree with you, I thought, thought Nixon um probably had his best game actually in mm. um in in a bath shirt, and I'd you know, I think any club around Europe um to have their fourth choice tighter come on. Um, at only 21, 22, I think he is, and and, and do that to some experienced guys. Um, Yeah, very
1: impressive. Yeah, I think, Tom, you you dream of the day that the the Champions Cup seedings are done on scrum success rate, but uh, maybe one day, mate. Um, One thing I did notice, and I think particularly in the first half, and something which I know you pointed out on our Twitter, at Bath Rugby Plug, Tom, was the fact that we, we were kicking an awful lot, particularly in that first half. Burns, in particular, was, was kicking almost every time he got the ball. It must have been a, a tactic from, from the coaching staff. Andrew, can you kind of figure out what the, the plan was behind all all, all of this kicking? Um, I think it's just for us to sort of gain territory, right? And <laughs> mm. um, to try and put
0: um, the trumpet the Ulster team on the, on the back foot a little bit I think you know if we look at what Freddie Burns is good at it's very much um, compared to Prieston anyway it's very much putting that ball in behind um, in behind the line and trying to put a bit more pressure on mm. the opposing team I think it's just trying to play to Freddie's strengths a bit more that was my thought but it definitely did raise a couple of questions because it's so different to how we play whenever Freddie's not in the team yeah I mm. almost felt um, like that was that was the reason why Hooper and the guys decided to make that decision and um, I actually think you know on the whole um Burns had quite a good game. Um, he's not as good off the tee as Priestley but you know he definitely added something different to our to our attacking play, and probably had his his best game um, of the season. Not as really much as he's not played that much, but you know, kind of credit to him. And um, yeah, I think you know he's um,
2: hopefully going to be seen in a, in a bar shirt a bit more in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think the the kicking was a was a clear tactic. Um, I think they'd. Um, identified probably two things. Firstly, to you know try and get a bit of territory, try and um, silence the crowd a little bit. You know, Kingspan being such kind of a raucous atmosphere when Ulster are on top, um, and I think they probably identified that. Um, you know, while Stockdale and, and uh, Balcoon on the on the other wings are you know good operators going forward, I'd say you know both dangerous in attack. Um, I think putting the ball over their shoulder, finding grass um, is a good tactic against them. Um, that said, I think. It did become quite predictable, um, and 28 kicks from from the hand in that first half um, is is far too many. And, and you know, Burns has a habit of sort of dropping back into the pocket um, behind all of his um, uh, you know his, his players and um, and kicking the ball. And it, it became um, quite predictable. And I think the Ulster boys kind of um, started to to read it. That said, you know, he he did put a couple of beautiful strikes in, sort of um, skidding along the ground um, um, to find touch. But I think. Um, you know, again, slightly one-trick pony in um, in in terms of a, a, a tactic, and I would um, I would like to have seen sort of him use other options, other options as well.
1: Yeah, it set up the try, obviously the McConaughey try in the first half through a through a kick, and and as you say, a misjudgment from Stockdale who'd who'd moved moved to fullback to allow Addison course, to go off yeah. for his uh, his blood injury. So I guess it worked on that occasion. I think the way I kind of saw it was that I think we identified Ulster as a team that that. that that pry on on the opposition's mistakes and maybe don't create as much as other teams do in attack. And I guess it was almost an attitude of, there you go, there's the ball in your your own half, in your own 22. Now beat us and and we'll back our defence to to mean you're not going to beat us. It is certainly not a tactic you would use against someone like Clement Averne. We saw when we played Clement Averne at home, it was completely the opposite tactic. We were tapping and going, we were running it from everywhere, trying to keep the ball in hand, Mm. trying to keep the ball out of the hands of of the attacking players that Clement had. But I think on Saturday, it was almost a case of, we don't think your attack is very good. You're very good in defence, and you're very opportunistic in a lot of what you do. Uh, but but there you go. There's the ball now. Now beat us, and it almost worked. And and I think the tactic almost worked. But I think you're right. We 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 went to it far too often, and it meant that they they felt more comfortable dropping players out of the line to, to field these kicks. And I, I think maybe in the second half, it would have been a bit more wise, particularly when we conceded those those early tries, to to maybe keep the ball in hand and, and try and get the ball in the hands of, of Hamer, Webb, Homer and and Rock and McConaughey, who who didn't see much of the ball throughout the whole game. I think
0: that's a, it's a bit of a trend now, isn't it? You know, um, mm. Those guys aren't really getting much ball in hand. And we've mm-hmm. kind of seen that pretty much all season. I don't know if that's just... Uh, a symptom of the way that Hooper likes to play, or is just you know um, the way the games have gone ultimately. But it does seem like it's it's been a bit of a problem we've had
1: all season. Yeah, I think that is, and it's such a shame because a lot of our uh, sorry to go back to you, but a lot of our salary cap is spent on on guys out wide, and so let's get it in, in their hands and 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 let them make a play. And we saw. Uh, Gabe Hamer-Webb who yeah. I think is slowly becoming a podcast favourite make a fantastic break when he got the ball in his hands at, at, at the end of the game and, and he's such an attacking threat and so is Homer so is McConaughey so, so get the ball in these guys' hands and I think it felt like the only way they believed they could get it in their hands was through through sort of aimless cross-kicks and, and, and kicking and chasing which um, I think worked to an extent as I say but but maybe not the whole time um, any other points guys we want to talk about from from the, the first half I've, I, I guess we've got uh, the Ellis yellow card which was probably the right decision you know both tries I don't know if you boys want to touch on on any of that um, Tom, Tom any other points that you've well, got I was just going to say half?
2: I think it could have been quite different in terms of the scoreline so for me that first try um, you know they go to the TMO firstly um, I know they weren't looking for this but firstly that line out um, is nowhere near straight um you know it was it was said on, it was said on commentary you know probably one of the few moments um of balance from from the BT uh team um and then there's a you know the ball is clearly dropped in that Ulster mall and i know it's it's not you know it's it's difficult to see whose hand it is but um the, the ball's dropped um there's there's huge doubt there even if you're going to ignore that that line out um, and for me like there's sufficient evidence not not to give that a try so that was that was really disappointing um and you know the other reason is that burns wasn't quite nailing his kicks um so missed that penalty um early doors that you know we work so hard to get in those positions clearly it's a policy um uh, from Stuart Hooper and Charlie Eales that we take points when on offer and you really if that's your strategy you really need to make sure you're 100% on the scoreboard because psychologically um, when you put in all that effort um you know particularly when you're you're carrying as hard as as we are um in midfield um it's very draining to to see those um that those kicks go wide so um yeah it it could have been could have been very different obviously nineteen fifteen um uh, sort of going into the 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 last ten minutes or so in the balance um and you really feel that those those five minutes straight after half time Um, That lack of concentration, you know, the first try, Hammerweb again, slightly caught in two minds, not knowing which man to tackle um, and and a smart finish. Um, And then secondly, just um, on the defensive defensive side of things. And um, I think in in the midfield and in terms of the collision on the gain line, we're very, very good. Um, albeit we you know expend a lot of energy um putting in those big shots and i think we were starting to slow but it seems like as soon as um, a team can get the ball sort of behind the line um, and sort of stretch us out wide the policy always is just to turn your back and corner flag head for your corner flag um, and try and um, take the guys out wide and invariably we're conceding 20 25 meters every single time that happens um, so we need to be wider in defense we need to man mark a bit bit better um, it looks like we're always a man down out wide and um, teams just take metres out of us um uh, and ultimately um a uh, score in the case of that that second ulster uh, try so um, a little bit concerning i think for mm-hmm. me both the sort of psychological blip that we've seen before and um, but also structurally i think something um not quite right with with our defense out wide
1: yeah moving on to the second half then as you, as you do there tom andrew what did you make of of that terrible five minutes at, at the start of of the second half two tries conceded and as i say i think six minutes. Um, you know, the story of our season, almost this season. It feels like
0: it is. Yeah, I mean also with recently Clinical weren't they? Yeah, and they manufactured that lead with you know two really quite well taken tries. I think. Um, I think the, the first uh, first try was pretty much created from a, a turnover from Garvey, uh, and then Burns put a really nice pass into Addison, and uh, he kind of dummy through their gap, and um, to that you know kind of sensational behind the back um,
3: little backhand offload to Balakoon. I thought it was. It's really really nice try actually and, uh, it was a mm-hmm. great play um, and then uh, kind of after that um, the the kind of the third try was spoken a bit about You know, probably could have done a bit
1: better but you know it was um, ultimately um, quite you know uh, quite, a tough, uh, quite a tough kind of uh, oh, seems to have lost yeah. Andrew uh, I'll try and pick up from where he was going so we don't have to do any editing on this Sunday night but yeah I think the the defence, um, as Andrew was sure to, to go on and point out, was um, was disappointing for, for both tries. Um, a little peel behind the curtain here. Hi, Andrew. Sorry about that. That's, That's all right. All. Um, yeah, we, we're still rolling with this. So, um, yeah, you really... Okay, in... my... oh, apologies. I, uh, I was actually trying to change something on my phone while speaking there. and hung up on you, so... It's <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, back
0: to what I was saying. That kind of, uh, you know, third try scored by Addison, um, you know, I think was... Um, it was you know, a good try um, and they were just so clinical weren't they yeah. just run away at the game from, from that point and we were always kind of on the back foot um, and I think they are a team which um, you know kind of deserved to win and, and those kind of opening moments after the kind of start of the half just, just proved that you know they were um, ultimately the better side of the day and, and you know a lot more clinical than we were whenever they uh,
1: whenever they got their moments yeah that the clinicality again it, is a big issue and and, and I think credit to Ulster to for those two tries they were certainly uh, moments there where 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 high quality passing in particular for that that's that third try um, fantastic two fantastic passes to get it to the outside quickly exploit the narrow Bath defence I I thought it was really well done but I do think there were defensive errors that that we could have uh, maybe done stuff differently and I think you mentioned Hamer Webb for for the second try the, the try the try just on the the 41st minute, potentially ball watching a little bit. But um, I think credit to Ulster. It's refreshing to see from a bass fan point of view, uh, watch a team actually put opportunities away because it's something that we're, 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 we're so poor at. And I think fair play to them. They came out far stronger in those first five, 10 minutes of that second half. And, and, and it was the key moment in the game. And, and credit to them for those two tries. I I guess uh, the, probably the two highest moments of quality in the game. And, and, and rightfully, Decided it. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, McCloskey and Scott, uh,
0: Stockdale, wasn't it? Those two passes that just mm. completely ripped through our, yeah.
1: Through our team. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we don't see enough of that from from a Bath point of view, exploiting chances like that. But but moving on to, to kind of the final quarter, Tom and and, and Bath ease uh, sort of ease back into the game with a a try from from Ross Batty. Uh, uh, and a missed conversion from Burns, which would have put us 2019 up if he would got all of his kicks. Uh, thinking about the missed penalty and the missed conversion, but but get it back to to 1915. Mm. Were you uh, beginning to hope, or have you learnt that it is the hope that kills you?
2: Yeah, I was. I was certainly um, hedging my bet, hedging my emotional uh, uh, bets with that one. I didn't think we we'd we'd have it in the in the tank, to be honest. But um, I, I will say, just off the back of that that dominance at the scrum. Um, we were really able to to march them back to their line again a well set up mall it 's been an effective weapon for us so far this season and I think the other thing that we did really well and allowed us to to get back into the game was our discipline was was so hot so on seventy two minutes we'd only given away one penalty um in the whole match so um you know we've you know we've we've bemoaned the 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 discipline you know remember this game was last season we we're giving away 10 15 penalties and just killing ourselves um by doing that but um so that that was really really good to see and um again right back in the game um, but, but yeah, just just not to be ultimately. And I, I just felt like there are a couple of key moments in that last 10 minutes. So um, back in the um, Ulster territory near the 22, uh, Marcel Coetzee, uh, the Ulster number eight, over the ball. Um, and uh, a couple of the guys, I think Lucas Nogueira had a chance to to clear him out, to get him off the ball. Um, wasn't quite accurate enough in terms of his clear out. And suddenly that's penalty, penalty Ulster. And they kick into our half. And ultimately we never really get that, get such a good chance again. So, you know, key moments like that. Um, that ultimately we just we just weren't quite able to win um, but you know we were very close and you know I tweeted out before the game and I, I thought it would be um, I thought you know anything around 10 points I thought would be would be a good result so I think ultimately we can be um, we can be pretty proud of ourselves probably the best um, performance um, in Europe um, and, and plenty to build on.
1: Uh, Andrew, what were your thoughts? That ball, actually, sorry, it was was mm-hmm. really really well set, wasn't
0: it? And uh, it was really nice to see mm. the guys putting that into great effect and, and scoring a try from it's not the prettiest try to score, but um, we have scored quite a couple of tries like that, and the like a tries a try at it. Take of the day, it, yeah. So,
2: you know, it's really really good to see the guys doing it under pressure. And, uh, and putting the effort in right into the last few minutes well yeah and we you know we talk about red zone efficiency um ross batty um, was um, uh, pretty efficient in the red zone um again andrew you you said he drove you batty uh last week um driving me batty part yeah. done, oh no. um yeah I, I thought i thought he looked good before he came on to be honest look good before he came on oh, sorry look at look at off look at <laughs> on. yeah he's, <laughs> he's his hair was his hair was really nicely tied back. His beard was yeah. he yeah. it with Pete. He looked um, good before he came on. Yeah, the warm up. Warm up was good. He warmed up well. Um, but yeah, no, we can't. No, he can't have any complaints about the red card, can he?
1: No, absolutely not. I, it is like it, I think we've got to a point now in 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 rugby, which is which is refreshing, is that you see an incident and you know what the decision is going to be. I think it went through a bit of a, a phase where there were teething problems with these new laws, where you'd see an incident and, and it would be a yellow card, and then you'd see an incident and it would be a red card, and it'd be the same incident but but completely different outcomes. And and whilst I would argue that. I don't know what else Ross Batty can do in that situation. There is no coaching points there. He, he, if what, what is, what can he do differently next week? That at the end of the day, that that isn't really the point here. The point is that that it's a it's a it's a shoulder to the head, um, and that's a red card. And we saw the same thing today, Sunday recording with Will Skelton against Racing. We saw it, shoulders of the head, and everyone knew. The commentators knew. The the fans knew. The players knew. That's a red card, and it's a refreshing place to get to. And whilst I may disagree yeah. with, with, with with whether that's the right place to be, as I'm just glad that we're, we're kind of there, and and we know now when we see an incident what the decision I- is going to be.
2: Yeah, I think inconsistency, mm. you know, is the thing that frustrates. Uh, fans and you know we are see starting to see that ironed out. You know different. Uh, there, there's less room for interpretation um, between referees and, and and across different situations. And um, yeah, I agree with you. I think. Um, at times um you know you, you struggle to see um that that an act uh, you know an action justifies um a red card that you know potentially ruins that game and and, and has a massive impact on that team but um you could see it on Ross Batty's face I think as as he yeah. walked over he knew yeah. there'd been contact to the head he knew it was a um it was a red card I don't think it really um uh, ultimately impacted on the on the result but mm. um it, you know ultimately he'll still be very disappointed um
0: I think, I think the game was lost by that point, really, wasn't it? Yeah. There was no coming back for us anyway. And I don't think you know Batty would have um, made the difference or, or anybody else at that point would have made the difference. But I do think he probably could have set his body a bit better. He did see him coming from quite a way off, mm. and he was quite rigid. Um, and I know the BT commentators said the same thing, and I
3: rarely find myself agreeing with them. But <laughs> I do think at this moment in oh. time, um, he... Uh, he probably could have done a bit more, just to
0: kind of get a bit lower, bend his knees or add the hips to kind of get get down a bit. But as soon as he connected, you know, he knew didn't he? And it's very very similar to Tom Ellis. I think he was pretty much
1: walking off the pitch as, uh, as soon as he um, as soon as he kind of did that so yeah Oh that Tom Ellis yellow card was absolutely hilarious what he just absolutely did not want Cooney to score on every match week there was no chance Ellis was letting that happen but um just on this batty one I yeah I think we've kind of covered off well and I I do think that um that that everyone watching it kind of had the same outcome and whilst it was disappointing uh, and whilst I think it was ultimately the right decision I do think actually I disagree with you boys I, I do think it actually had a little bit of an influence on the game in that you know they got the three points from 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 that penalty a, a crucial three points which meant we could only end up drawing the game at the end and and also I just I don't know just watching the game and sort of taking myself back to 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 that moment and and I just felt like we had them under the cosh a little bit and I just felt like the, the tide was potentially just starting to turn and it was a big game for Ulster uh, and I just felt like the crowd was starting to get a little bit touchy and that just brought them right back up the penalty and I just felt like it was a massive it's just a turning point the game just, just the, the feel of the game kind of felt like it turned on its head in that moment and I, and I don't think Batty would have made a difference to, to us scoring at the end there I'm not sure that's what I'm saying I just feel like I feel like the Sorry, I feel like the, the game, the, the feel of the game just changed in, in that moment. And I think we, we, we had a much, um, we had a chance there to, to to win it at the end. But I think once Batty had got that red card and it had gone out to seven points, kind of the win completely went out of our sails. And, and I think the game was then ultimately done.
2: Yeah, yeah. Only the things I was going to say on this game. Just pick out a couple of like names. I won't say too much because I know we've got other stuff to talk about. But Sam Underhill really put himself about. Made a couple of really big shots. I think um, he's starting to look a bit more energised, bit bit closer to his best. Ollie Fox stepped up, had a really good game. Um, I think his speed of pass is, is brilliant, really accurate. Um, and um, I think he, he fits the mould of you know us trying to play with a bit quicker ball. Um, he, he did really well and stepped up on a big stage. Um, and Jackson Willison, who um, potentially wasn't as involved as he has been, but I think we just look so much more dangerous when he's got the ball. Just the little offloads, um, you know, breaking the line, um, and, and very solid in defence. So um, those three guys um, I thought I thought stood out for me um, uh, alongside Abano and, and Will Stewart.
1: And Andrew, any other standouts or, or points from this game from you? Yeah, I mean, um, I
0: don't know if you guys heard the Stuart Lancaster uh, interview in the week. I'm going to borrow one of his phrases, which is, you know, we're almost in danger of the result shaping the narrative uh, in this game. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you look at the positives, um, as you spoke about, Benno and and Stuart were much better. Um, Underhill was, was brilliant in getting back to his base and was getting back on track. Uh, Willison, as you mentioned Tom I thought was really really good and he kind of uh, beat six defenders more than any other in the game mm. Gabe was really really impressive and I felt like burns was um, burns was stronger and uh, and better than he has been so there definitely are you know some some positives to take away and whenever you consider the fact that the Ulster team had um, I think eight Ireland internationals mm-hmm. and they're going from the 20th um, Game at the Kingspan without defeat, and we mm. only fielded two yeah. internationals. And the the game was that close, and you know we were pretty much in it all the way until the end. I think that's you know a really really positive result for the guys. And while it's massively frustrating, and you know the worst run in Europe, etc., and, and all the stuff that we that we've heard in the press, and I'm sure from our friends as well that don't let's forget about it. Um <laughs> by, by the same token, it was a really good performance, and just kind of bodes well for for the Prem and and the games we have coming forward.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, final question, who won the Battle of the Burnses?
1: Didn't Billy get man of the match? Yeah, he did, I think, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Billy, yeah. I, think, I think Billy probably won the Battle of, of the Burnses, and uh, he's in the Ireland squad, and he's playing further in Europe, so um, I think he's probably feeling a little bit happier about his rugby playing career at the moment. Just a final point from for me, and I think you're right, it was a good performance, but again, five minutes of, of poor rugby cost us, and... I'm fed up of that being put down to, to bad luck. That's a, a problem. It's a habit and it's something we need to eradicate from our game. And, and if you're going to do that, you can play as well as you want uh, for the rest of the game. But If you're going to have five, ten minutes of rubbish, rubbish rugby, then you're going to lose. And, and that's what we did. And that's why we lost. And, yep. and, and that's been the story of games this season where we've just played badly for, for five, ten, fifteen minutes. And you lose games against these teams. Yeah. So uh, we need to eradicate that. And whatever, however we do that, um, I guess that's the job of the coaches. And just finally, 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 uh, Gabe Hamer-Webb um, was fantastic, I thought. Uh, he, he dropped that ball early, which would have been a to his confidence. But I thought the way yeah. he grew into the game w- was brilliant. And, and, and to make you you guys and the listeners feel pretty old uh, this week, he was born in the year two thousand um so that is pretty pretty incredible he's got so much potential so um yeah really exciting to see him uh for further on his career in bath he's an absolute unit as well isn't he mm. i mean for, for someone that muscular to be that quick is actually quite rare you know
0: and uh he's he's a true athlete he could almost be an olympic sprinter i think with the way that he runs but also be a body uh, bodybuilder at the same
2: time <laughs> it's quite a, quite an unusual physique but you know um really happy he's playing for us and, and you know not, ge- not, ge- not jealous at all then mate sorry I said you're not jealous at all then mate oh, I've got a dad bod so <laughs> I can't say anything <laughs> well the Matt, the Matt Garvey school of uh... <laughs>
3: absolutely
1: <laughs> that, that's the ultimate um the ultimate Olympic triathlon isn't it uh, 100 metres, weightlifting, and rugby sevens. If, if you're looking for a man, maybe Gabe Hamer Webb is the man. But we've got to move on, fellas, because we are going uh, into this in a lot of depth and we've got so much more to talk about. Uh, and another guy, you know, we've spoken about Gabe Hamer Webb uh, for, for playing for Bath for many more years to come. And another guy who will certainly be at the club for at least two more years is Tom Ellis. Uh, signed this week uh, as I say a two-year contract and Andrew you spoke on last week's podcast about um, your your admiration for Ellis as, as a player so I'm, I'm guessing you are pretty relieved to see this news come through yeah absolutely I mean he's he's um He's uh, you know, just risen
0: to power and prowess uh, as part of um, a part of the bar squad in the last couple of years, and um, I think it was against Worcester last season. Got his elbow injury, um, mm. and we definitely missed him after then. That's kind of when I realised the importance of him uh, to our team. Um, and actually even in that Worcester game, whenever he came off, and I know the game didn't end that well, we just kind of missed out on on the physicality that he brings. Mm. And the fact that he sits on the cusp of that England team as well means that mm. you know we can just try and keep a, a decent level of quality whenever our whenever some of the guys do go away with England. Um, I think by the same token, he's also a a natural leader um, Mm. as well. He just has something about him. You can see him, the way that he's communicating on the pitch uh, is great. And he also has a lot of passion for the club. And you can see him go around after every single home game, talking to the fans, engaging with the crowd. You can tell he loves it. And uh, to have someone like that signed up to the club
2: for the next couple of years, I think is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, more, more brilliant news. You know, the fourth um contract extension that that's been announced so far this year obviously after the the three young guys um that got their contracts and um you know it, it really is is so positive you know all the things you said he's a leader he captained um, bar for the first time last month um he's he's growing as a player every week and um uh, obviously, having been involved with, with England, I think he's got a massive future ahead of him. But just thinking about kind of the business that we've done um so far, and it's it's really positive story for me so far because if you look at the end of the end of last season, um the structure of our squad um you know it was, was very top-heavy in terms of experience. We had a, a relatively old um squad, I would say, across across position groups. You you think of the guys that um we let go last season, Lahif, Dave Atwood, Anthony Peronisse, Khan Kon Fotuili, Cooper Vuna—you um, know—experienced guys who were brought in in some cases to to plug an injury gap. They weren't long-term um, signings; they were coming towards the end of their careers, potentially best days behind them. You know, those guys went, and that was a you know a big loss to the squad and, and left a bit of a hole. And now you can really see that what we're doing is investing in in these younger guys. Um, and for me, that is that's really exciting. We 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 are seeing. Um, some structural changes across the squad. Um, And these guys are the future of the club. They're going to be here for a long time. You can tell um, that these guys... Um, led by Stuart Hooper, um, have 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 invested in in whatever the vision is, and um, are going to be Bath players for for a long time. And for me, uh, you know, as I've said before, all I want to see is progress. All I want is to be able to look forward um, in a few years' time, and 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 be like we're now an established, um, strong Premiership side, and this is the start of that for me in in many ways. And um, yeah, more brilliant news, and and hopefully more to
1: come. Sell it, mate. Absolutely. Um, one player that we are no longer investing in and will not be part of, of Bath's future it was confirmed this week as we spoke about a little bit on the podcast last week that Jamie Roberts is off with immediate effect to play for the Stormers in South Africa. Uh, what we didn't know last week <coughs> when we spoke about this was the, the, the kind of replacement that Bath had lined up um, for for Roberts. And that is Josh Matavesi, most recently seen by by most rugby fans playing for Newcastle in the Premiership. Uh, Went down with Newcastle. I've been playing for them in the Championship uh, this season. Uh, It's not clear, actually... Uh, whether this is a, a multi-year deal or whether it is just a, a stopgap uh, for the rest of the season. But I, I'd imagine it would be the latter with, with maybe some incentives based on, on performances going forward. And and I guess I'll kick this one off, fellas, as to my thoughts and... and uh... I think disappointment is my overriding emotion and I don't really know the ins and outs of the finances of all this. It's very unclear and even if it was clear, it's something that potentially is difficult to get your head around in terms of the salary cap and this third party that the Stormers have been speaking about. But I think without question, it gives us a lesser chance of winning this season. This this deal and, and and therefore for me shows quite a a, a, a sizable lack of ambition. Uh, Roberts has has proven himself to be you know a leader, certainly a leader. Maybe his performances haven't always been up to that scratch, but he's certainly a leader on and off the pitch. And and, and bringing a guy like Matavesian, who who I don't think is maybe a, as good a performer on the pitch as Roberts, but he's also going to spe- take some time to to bed into the club, bed into the city. I I think it it kind of puts us back. Uh, in our development this season, and I was pretty disappointed. That's no slight on Matavasi as a player, who who I've been impressed with when I've watched him for Newcastle. I just think that that it just shows that that, that the ambition of the, the 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 playing squad and of the staff this season isn't to to to, to achieve anything in in my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I mean, look, on paper I should like him. He's a big, powerful, (laughs) Fijian-type player, um, which is absolutely um, what what I like to see. But I don't know. I've I've not necessarily been bowled over with him whenever I've watched him, which hasn't really been that often. Um, You know, I've seen him on the pitch. He's never really stood out that much to me. And um, you know, losing someone um, of Roberts' quality, you know, being a British and Irish lion for. Josh Matavesi is, uh, is a little bit disappointing. And, um, yeah, I think whatever we're talking about, you know, could we get Lozowski in and then you end up signing Matavesi? You're obviously <laughs> going to be a bit deflated, um, which is, uh, I believe, yeah, I sent you a WhatsApp to that effect actually in, in the week. Um, so, yeah, look, he's going to be wearing the shirt. I'll support him fully. And I hope he comes in. I hope he does well. But I think anything other than, than a short-term deal, given all the things we've just spoken about, how we're managing the team well, the profiling and the age range of the team um, you know I think it would be a bit, of a, a bit of a miss if we've signed him up for a couple of years but hopefully there's a, a short term deal and then with the option to extend you know if um, if he does well and I absolutely want him to do that look this could turn out to be a blinder he's an experienced guy we've got a lot of young heads mm. but you know I think just kind of um, the initial thoughts are necessarily one of, of being super excited and, and bowled ball, over by you know his quality.
2: Yeah, I think I think time will tell. I think that the first thing I would say is that Roberts. Um, yeah, you know, clearly has been you know, a bit of a leader off the field in his in his time at Bath. The, the players you can see all over their their social media are, are sad to to see him go, and I think he's had a a good influence on not only players in his uh, position, but I also think guys like Elliot Stuke, um, uh get on really well with him and probably learnt from his uh, you know general and vast rugby experience. That said, you know I do think he's very much past his best. Um, I do think he's trying to get sort of you know, his last few seasons and experience different rugby cultures, and I wish him the best in terms of in terms of doing that. On Matavesi, it will be very interesting, and it would have been nice to to hear if it's just for the end of the season or or it's for more. My um, my uh, reading of the statement from Newcastle was that it was uh, Matavea would be. You know, moving back to an area where you know his family are more familiar with, um, and that it didn't sound like it was just a short-term deal to the end of the season. Again, time will tell, and and we might see that. But I actually think Matavesi's um, a pretty good fit for this team. Um, I think he's. I think he's a. A good operator. I know. Obviously, he's been playing at a championship level, but he's been scoring tries for fun for Newcastle this season. Last season, when he's been fit and firing, um, he's he's a dangerous attacker. He's very good defend, uh, you know, defensive operator as well, and he's got a good left foot. So. Um, I think actually that we'll look back and see this as a relatively um, astute signing, a a good stopgap at the very least. And I think in terms of chances of winning the Premiership, I think uh, our chances are quite slim at the moment. And I, I don't think that not having Roberts... Uh, materially affects that, to be honest.
1: Yeah, but what you just spoken, Tom, about the age profile of of players that you want Bath to be signing up, and you listed off a, a, a list of names that we let go at the end of last season. A lot of those guys are in similar profile to what Matavesi is. He's so twenty nine. Exactly. So, so I think that is, you know, it's it's the back end back end of his career. Well, that's I, harsh. I, I would argue, and and I think that if it is a, a long term. Deal, then then we're not fitting the, the age profile that we're, we're looking to to sign up. And if it is a short-term deal, it doesn't give us uh, a, a, a greater chance of winning uh, in the short term. So I don't really understand it from from, from either point of view, to be honest. But um, I'm very happy to be uh, proven wrong on, on that one. Um, yeah, I think if we were a squad that
0: we were we maybe lacking in... in characters you know like Francois Lowe or whatever like you know, those kind of old experienced heads then you know fair enough but I think we do have a few although the squad mm. is you know um, does have you know a bit of a youthful
3: tinge to it at the moment but yeah it's uh, yeah it'll be interesting how it plays
2: oh, out. And I, sure. wonder, I wonder how quickly he'll start playing as well I half expected to see his name on the on the team sheet for Ulster at least on the bench but yeah uh, um, it'll yeah, it'll be good to see him see him involved. I think, as I say, it, it could be quite an astute signing, but um, but time will tell. And he he's certainly playing an important role with um, with Jonathan Joseph uh, likely to be away for the Six Nations boys.
1: Yeah, nice segue into the next topic, Tom, and that is um, the England squad announcement. And this is potentially going to look a little bit out of date if you're listening to this later on in the week. Um, recording this on Sunday night with the England squad announced. On Monday, we're about to make ourselves look like prize idiots, but that's what we do best, so so let's crack on. And um, I guess I'll come to you, Andrew, and, and, and just looking at the, the, the squad, the, the group of players which went to Japan, so obviously you've got Anthony Watson, Jonathan Joseph, Sam Underhill, uh, Rory McConaughey, uh, and Joe Thokinoseiga kind of in brackets because we know he's not going to be there. Which of those guys... Do you think any of those guys have got are at risk of missing out, or can you see all of those guys retaining their places in the England squad?
0: Yeah, I think I think all of them. But um, Joe will, will retain their squad, to, uh, retain their place in the squad. To be fair, um, I don't think they've done anything to say that you know they they should be dropped. Um, I think Sam Underhill's probably the only one that's the struggled with a bit of form since coming back. But you know, I, I think he's. Um, uh, he's very much the stalwart of that of that England team, mm. and has kind of proved in Japan um, how how vital he is to the setup. So I don't think we'll have any other players apart from from Joe um, coming out, really. Tom,
2: well, I think I think Anthony Watson absolute shoe in. Sam Underhill absolute shoe in for me, given performances in the World Cup. Jonathan Joseph with Henry Slade out, you've got to say a shoe in as well. Um, Obviously, wing fullbacks are very competitive position. I, I expect to see a couple of young guys come in to at least be given a go. Um, George Furbanks been been spoken about um, and, and rumoured to be to be included. So, um, whilst I, you know, McConaughey is an absolute class act, and I think he will be included. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a, a banker. Um, that said, you know, it is obviously a wider squad, thirty-one man squad. So um, I'd expect to see him 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 included, or you know. You know, he's not been in the best form, but um, I still think he'll, he'll get in to be honest.
1: Helped by the fact that, um, is it Aymer, the, the new attack backs coach with, with England, knows McConaughey really well from, from his days in seven? So, I guess yeah. that's a, a tick in McConaughey's box. And I don't think McConaughey's yeah. necessarily done anything wrong, it would just be if Jones kind of wants to give other guys a bit of a go in that role as kind of being on the periphery of the England squad, which I guess McConaughey is and was during the World Cup and whether he wants to to use those final places to, to, to have a look at someone else. But I think it would be harsh on McConaughey given the fact that he, he, he never does anything wrong and, yeah. and certainly this season hasn't done anything wrong and, and unlucky to, to miss a, a bit of a chunk of it with injury. Um, I was just... so, okay, he had Stockdale in his pocket, didn't he, pretty much the weekend. <laughs> um,
0: so... Um,
3: yeah. and... I just don't see him coming out
0: at all. Eddie put him in there as a world card for a reason. I think whenever he came on and played the game against America, um, completely justified mm. um, his his start. And I think he would have played more had he not have, you know, obviously hurt himself a bit out, out in Japan. So, um, yeah, I don't see him coming out. And he's such a different player. He's so good under the high ball. Mm. Um, and he's so strong, isn't he, in the way that he runs. So, yeah, I just... I don't think
2: there's many other players like him in in the prem for for Eddie to choose from, and I think he'll yeah. absolutely keep his keep
1: his place. Who are the maybes then in the, in the squad? Well, I guess um, my accountable prediction of 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 Will Stewart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, in fairness, Tom, uh, I will give you the credit on that one. Tom's long-standing <laughs> accountable prediction of of Will Stewart, and, and I, I think Beno Urbano kind of comes with that. It is surely, surely gonna come true tomorrow Tom I would yeah. be very very surprised particularly Stuart given the the lack of strength yeah. in the tyre position for, for England uh, if he wasn't involved in the England squad I, I think he's almost not a maybe anymore he, for me <sighs> yeah. he, he, he's a sir I think
2: yeah I think you're right and him and Obano there's not much to choose between them to be honest very similar players both very very destructive on their day and both in in brilliant form Um, I think in that tight head berth um, it is much less competitive as you say so if you assume that Jones is going to pick three in that 31 um, then you'd say that Sinclair will will be a shoe in Um, and then you've really got you know uh, two positions I would say between Harry Williams Dan Cole who you'd expect to miss out I would say given, given his age um, and you know performance in that in that final, um, and then Will Stewart's got to be the next cab off the rank, I'd say. So um, yeah, really looking hopeful for him. I think um, you know across different clubs and, and different pundits and um, people are starting to talk more about him. It's not only us now, um, kind of uh, kind of uh, waving the Will Stewart flag. So for me, he he should get in, um, and then probably two others I think who will probably be maybes, um, and that's Ben Obano and I think I think he may miss out just because of. Um, the strength and depth in that position with Mako with Mahler um, uh, uh, with Ellis Genge and other guys that have been involved like Alec Hepburn, Alex Hepburn and, and Ben Moon um, so I think he might just miss out but he'll be close um, and then I think Charlie Yules probably will as well, just miss out just because he's been injured. Um, Eddie Jones clearly likes him; he's been involved previously, um, but I think yeah, probably just not had enough game time. So i um, will be surprised and a little bit disappointed. So um, you know, so close to to, to his rehab if he um, has to go on those camps because, as we know, they're they're pretty
1: brutal. Any other maybes for from you, Andrew? Um. Alex Brandt, I think is uh, probably a bit of a maybe I think he's a he's a great
0: player scored a, a try again um, yesterday mm. um, absolutely love watching him play and uh, I know that he's he's definitely on the radar um, Joe Simmons is another one as well fly half um, you know it'd be good to just see him get into the team and and see if uh, Eddie will mix it up a little bit and then the final one um, was uh, I think it's Ibatoye that Tom alluded to last week? You know, um, with Joe being out, I think there's probably a space for for someone like him uh, in the team. So yeah, those are my my kind of three that I've got my eye on. You know, the one that I really want is uh, is Harry but I just don't think he's going to get in, just given the fact that you know any going to change the team around too mm-hmm. much. And that, you know, scrum half position is is very much one that seems to be um, kind of solidified already with. Um, uh, with Ben Youngs mm. and Ben
1: Spencer in the team, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, a few thoughts there. We, you know, I don't want to go too in too deep into this because I say it will be announced o- on Monday, and when it is announced, and we do have our next podcast, we will break down that squad, uh, focusing particularly on the on the Bath boys uh, in a lot more. Can I just throw one
2: bolter from a Bath point of view, mm. and that is um, Billy Vinopola fracturing his forearm today in the um, in the Saracens game. Uh, Mark Wilson's still out with injury, um, so there's a couple of spots potentially in that back row berth, and we spoke about him earlier um, but Tom Ellis for me from a Bath perspective um, he's got an outside chance of um, of being included in that 31 I think potentially his injury cover but that's fine it would be a great experience for him um, and I think he has got a shot so uh, yeah hopefully um, a few of those young Bath boys uh, uh,
1: get the chance. Fingers crossed keep your phones on Bath fans and Ellis I always Midday. say my uh, my phone it will be on so uh, don't hesitate to give me a call um, but let's move on guys to, to the final uh, agenda point on this Slightly Marathon podcast uh, and that is the key Premiership game uh, on Saturday at the REC against the old rivalry, Leic- old rivals Leicester Tigers. Andrew rubbing his hands down the line uh, there so keen to, to, to get stuck into this. Andrew, um, what are your expectations uh, for, for Saturday? Uh, I always enjoy
0: beating Leicester. I think more than, than any other Bath fan, <laughs> and uh, I think just uh, the shape of the team at the moment. You know, a few guys might have a bit of stern in their wins, having been you know picked for the England team. Mm. Um, I think we're we're going to um, absolutely smash them this weekend. <laughs> you know, Leicester are definitely um, looking a bit better than they have done over the, the kind of start of the season but I, I think we're just going to have too much for them and, and given the performances of the last two weeks have been so solid even the, the results haven't been where they where we want them to be the guys are going to go out and absolutely want to you know not have a third loss on, on the bounce and mm.
1: um, and they're going to be going for it and I think we're we're potentially going to have far too much for for the Tigers in the weekend
2: well, well I don't think our England players will be involved though will they
1: yeah, I'm getting, yeah, is there, yeah, I suppose they'll meet up this week.
2: Yeah, so I, I think
1: I thought it was next week they're
2: meeting up. Uh, might my, yeah, my, I remember before the last um that last premiership fixture it was, you know, it was said that the last uh, this was the last uh, week that we'd had oh, our England boys so life. I thought it was um, next week. Yeah, you, you might be right. I think either way though, um uh, you know, I'd agree with you. I think um certainly from from an England perspective, I think we obviously lose. Um, a few guys to, to, to international duty. Um, but I think the core of that Leicester team um, really does get ripped out. You know, Genge, yeah. potentially Cole, Youngs for Johnny May, Manitou Alangi. Um, and I think there's also not quite that strength in depth in yeah. the same way that that we have. So um, particularly if that's the case, I, I would really fancy our chances. Um, the other point I'd make is obviously Leicester have been fighting for... for um, position in the league um, over over recent weeks. That game against Bristol that they won and they played well, but it felt like a massive win, uh, a must-win game for them. Now that pressure um, of relegation, that threat of relegation, has been lifted. Um, obviously, with the with the Saracens news. Um, so whether they come out with the same intensity um, as they've shown uh, in that Bristol game, for example, in the Quinns game that that they drew before it. Um. Uh, you know, I, I'm not so sure. So, um, for me, it could be it could be a great day to be in, in blue, black, and white.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could come out with with less intensity, as you suggest, there, Tom. Or, you All know, conversely, yeah, they, they, the pressure's off, and and they play with a lot more freedom and, and a lot more confidence. I think it could go either way for for teams like Leicester and like London Irish, who have kind of you know got a second Christmas in the matter of months this week. So um it'll be really interesting to to see that and 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 I think they have had some some positive results in the Premiership as you say that draw against Harlequins and then the 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 defeat of, of Bristol Bears. But I think in those games the, the England guys played an absolutely pivotal role for them, uh, particularly George Ford, who, who whenever uh, Leicester play well, he is always at the absolute epicenter of that. So um, I think I'm under the assumption, like you are, Tom, that, that the England boys won't be around, and therefore uh, that gives us, for my for my money, a massive chance because they are so reliant on on, on a few guys at Leicester, where where, where their strength in depth isn't strength in depth isn't that strong. So. Um, yeah, as much as I would like to see kind of full squad on full squad, I think their their them having the core of their squad stripped out will will massively play into uh, our favor, and hopefully they come out with less intensity. Hopefully they're already on the beach for their summer holidays, and uh, and we can have another uh, great day uh, beating Leicester like we've had uh, a few times in in recent seasons.
2: Yeah, and you know now obviously Champions Cup over. Um, it's the long run into the playoffs, and yeah. and you know into the rest of the into, well, into the rest of the Premiership <laughs> season, the playoffs for, for for whoever gets there, and you know Leicester, Worcester, Harlequins, Bristol, um, the next four games, and you know that's a quite a nice block of fixtures actually, mm-hmm. and you've got to um, I think fancy um, fancy us to to win most of those, to be honest, and the league is still so so tight, um, you know we're sitting. Um, you know, in, in sixth position there, but only seven, only six points, sorry, um, uh, from being in third, uh, away from Gloucester in third. So it's very tight in a couple of wins um, in, in the next couple of fixtures against Leicester and Worcester. And suddenly, um, you know, people are starting to talk about Bath. People are starting to talk about, about uh, us like top four contenders. Um, and, you know, it'd be great and really exciting from from a Bath perspective, after the disappointments of Europe, um, to be involved in that and to, to be playing well in the premiership.
1: Yeah, certainly feels like it. So um, the infographic towards the end of last season about you know um, all the teams'
0: positions over the over the weeks and over the rounds, where you know you had like straight lines for each yeah. team, and you saw Bath yeah. go up and down, up and down, up and down, <laughs> and uh, I guess you know the guys who want to try and avoid you know, securing the top six on the last day of the season. And while we are, you know, kind of six points off of third, we're only, I think, four points off of tenth at the moment. So <laughs> it is really, really important that we, uh, that we get the win this weekend. And I do think, you know, everyone's going to be going out there and um, proving uh, their quality and... Um, the fact that, you know, that they wanna try and turn around this this current vein of form you know, performances has had been their results haven't. I think if we just kinda of continue that then then we should really be um we should be looking for a win this week and if not, you know, into the next couple of weeks just try and cement our place at the kind of top end of the
2: table. Got gotta look up the table, not down the table, Andrew. Come on. That's <laughs> I know you're new here, but you know we only ever look up.
1: <laughs> I have to. I'm only five foot. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think you're you're right, Tom. The, uh, the this block of fixtures feels like a, a key block. Uh, some winnable games, and and getting off to a, a good start this weekend is key. And you know, just quickly on 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 this. Uh, I heard a couple of weeks ago that, that Zach Mercer wasn't actually as far away from re- returning as, as maybe we thought. So potentially one to watch if we, we do lose uh, Underhill and, uh, and Faletel, uh, maybe Mercer back. Um, but I can't promise that. But I think I saw a few weeks ago that uh, he didn't feel like he was too far away. So, so potentially being rested for Europe and, and unleashed. Against the Tigers on Saturday in, in a game that I can't wait for. I know we're going, Andrew, so um, I know it would be a fantastic atmosphere uh, from from both sets of supporters. It always is for this fixture. Um, so yeah, can't can't wait. For well,
2: that. So I've, I've um, i picked uh, a 23 boys, and again, it's on the assumption that um, the the players that we spoke about are away with um, are away with with England duty. So um, I'll just go through it quickly, shall I? And, and mm-hmm. just sort of let me sure. know. What you think? Because you know, even with those guys missing, I think the point is that it's it's still very very strong across the board. Um, so I went with Abano, Dunn, and Judge, uh, Ewells and Stook, uh Williams, Bayless, and Francois Low, uh, completing mm. a very uh, tasty front eight there. Um, and then Chudley, Priestland, Wright, Willison, um, Hammerweb, uh, Rocky and Tom Homer. So um, a very very strong mm-hmm. fifteen. I, th- I don't think that's probably too far off the market you know assuming those guys those guys get get selected um and then just off the bench again very very strong walker boyce nixon mcnally ellis fox burns and ali brew so um i think you know despite the guys missing and despite the the few injuries that that we've got um at the moment um we're still looking um like 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 you know a very very decent outfit
1: yeah i think a lot of combinations that we've Seen over recent, the last couple of weeks in, in Europe will, will be similar, but then sp- sp- sort of sprinkled into that it is a bit of star quality and a few guys that have been rested and, and deservedly so. And I've got my eye on Tom Dunn, Francois Lowe, and Reese Priestland in that regard, guys that have been given these past two weeks off. Uh, Done and low, completely off. I know Priestman was on the bench on Saturday, so uh, hopefully those guys can come back in refreshed and, and, and sort of bring the level of the the guys and bring the morale of the guys who who have ultimately suffered two defeats up uh, and bring us to, to to a victory on Saturday. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really really hard to. Um to kind of uh, say anything further to, to mm-hmm. the team there Tom I think is absolutely spot on the, the one person that has been absent for the last couple of weeks and um, ever since his X Factor appearance um, has <laughs> been uh, Levi Davis now. yeah good point um, I'm just wondering if you guys have any insight on where he is. I know he's had a couple of runouts at Bath United, but the start of the season, he scored a try. and Looked quite tasty. Do you guys have any insight on, on
2: where he is and kind of what's happening there? No, I'm, I'm not sure. It's been a bit puzzling because he's, you know, he started so well. Obviously, then went away on um, on his X Factor um, adventure, and and him um, along with the other Levi, Levi Douglas, who I think also started really well, and they've been involved um, with Bath United regular starters for for Bath United so whether to be honest I think he's injury free for a start um, as far as I know and, and whether it's just that Gabe Hammerweb um, has shown slightly more so far this season um, you know I, I think that's kind of that's kind of all I can I can put that down for and I think you know Hammerweb is, is as you say well and truly justifying uh, his place in the team um, and Alec Bruce looked quite good as well so I think he's just yeah. um, he's just not quite making it into that into that 23 but um, you know a very good point, and um, you know more sort of uh, depth in, in that in that particular position. Yeah,
1: we joked about this this X factor thing. I think there was quite a lot of amusement on on, on Twitter about it, but I think it, it's it's cost him a, a place in and around the squad at the moment because it's allowed Gabe Hamer-Webb to get opportunity and and he's absolutely grasped it and i think that if if davies hadn't gone off to do the x-factor and, and that's completely his decision and, and 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 whatever but i think if he hadn't he would be occupying the slot that hamer webb is and i don't think that the bath coaches were kind of anticipating hamer webb to to play such a, an important role this season it's his first season of, of, of professional of, of professional adult rugby he was at school lest we forget uh, this time last year. So I think that, that, that Davis has kind of missed the boat a little bit there and he's kind of been pushed a little bit down the pecking order by um, by Gabe Hamer-Webb who must have been mentioned about 15 or 20 times on this podcast. But I'm um, really excited about him. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, guys, about anything blue, black and white related or, or are we good to go, yeah, Andrew? I think, um, I think just one thing that was
0: quite interesting was uh, I saw Matt Clark is back at Farley House as well following his injury. And if you guys saw him uh, training. Um,
2: back run, back running, I think, isn't he? So, yeah. yeah.
0: Just nice to see him back in the team, you know, back with the guys and back training. again. He's only doing a couple of weighted sprints, but, you know, there's something at least. And um, wasn't expecting to see him up and running so soon. Yeah, mm. and
2: it is incredible how quickly those guys get, get turned around. You know, Max Green, um, you know, straight away after the game, um, he's, you know, he, he's aware of what it is. He gets seen to straight away. And the next day, he's straight into into surgery so um, it is very intense it's um, you yeah, it must be um, it must be really frustrating and, and a really hard road back for those guys that get those serious injuries um, but for you know for Max Clark to be um, you know taking a photo of him him in a hospital bed uh, after his surgery a few months ago now to be back running at, at Farley House is, is brilliant and Zach um, that Mercer the same we could see those guys back sooner than we'd we'd probably anticipated um, and, and that'll be great for, great for the squad, particularly with, you know, with, with
1: with Roberts having departed. Yeah, just don't rush them back, I think, yeah, is, sure. is the message that I'd give. Right, um, a bit of a marathon there, I, th- I think, guys. But I really hope uh, you, you enjoyed it, uh, listening to that. Um, if you did, then please get in touch with us uh, and let us know your thoughts about the Blue, Black and White. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, at Bath Rugby Plug, across all social media. Um, and if you can leave us a, a review and a rating, wherever you do get your podcast, then you know, that really does help us out. We have no idea how that help us, helps us out, um, but it does help us out with, with kind of getting the word out there. Um, and if you can get the word out there yourself uh, and, and spread the word about the podcast... Um, by by telling your friends then we really would appreciate it but if you can't do that then then at least join us for our next podcast uh, uh, and stick behind the boys in blue, black and white through thick and thin